Welcome to Dug Too Deep, the officially unofficial podcast for The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power TV series on Amazon Prime streaming. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Still getting my bearings on this intro. It's a lot of the rings and the lords and the digging. It's a whole thing. <laughs> uh, Aaron, we're here to talk about season one, episode two, Adrift. It's the second episode released on the same night for the premiere uh, on Amazon Prime. What do you think of this one? I thought it's another good one. Uh, there's definitely some things I'm like kind of scratching my head about and trying to figure out from, you know, how it fits in with what I think I know of the lore and where they're going with it. I think this meteor man is the central mystery because um, mm-hmm. they're really giving me mixed signals. They're really coding him all over the place on this. But um, I liked it. I really liked I thought the the dwarves came off really well. Like, uh, you know, what does it look like for a high elf to be friends with a dwarf and like the nuts and bolts and not when they're hunting orcs, you know? What's yeah. it look like when they're just chilling out and having dinner? And I thought that played surprisingly well. Um, I thought Kazakh Doom, the Mines of Moria, were absolutely stunning. Like, we've seen oh, them in yeah. the ruins in the movies, and, like, you know, you hear Gimli talking it up about what amazing place it is, and you see it deserted, and like, huh. But man, at its height, where they got the reflecting lights growing their gardens and all their rivers plumb through there and the mines are going at full swing and it's full of dwarves chanting and singing and banging rocks and resonating ore out of the walls. It's pretty fucking cool and continues to be the most beautiful damn thing I've seen on television. Uh, Mm -hmm. Extremely cinematic and colorful and just jaw-dropping gorgeous to look at the entire time how about you did you did it maintain your interest through the show's second hour yeah absolutely um i i feel like there there's an extension of eh, galadriel kind of got screwed on the storyline uh in this episode especially in this episode she's just floating at sea for 99 percent of it and then a development uh-huh. happens at the end and that's kind of it yeah but like everything else was was pretty amazing i i wonder if the effect of seeing a new amazing cool place will wear off as we see them over and over again because i assume i I mean i know we're going to be traveling the map quite a bit so i think we will get new locations and new uh and some variety but we will probably see a lot of the same places over and over again and they're so majestic and I, i look at them and i go wow when i first see it I wonder if that'll wear off over time and it'll just become the norm. So we recorded this, we broke for lunch and then we recorded the, we recorded the first episode broke for lunch, recorded this while we're at lunch. I was walking around, I was shopping around our our friends, seeing what they thought. Uh, Dave Chin said, this is my experience of watching Lord of the Rings, the rings of power. Every second of every scene, there is a prop, a set, uh, a special effect or a piece of wardrobe that looks like it cost a million dollars to set up and shoot and you'll mm-hmm. never see it again. <laughs> really? <laughs> like that, like, well, the, he was just saying that that's right. what it feels like. You're just seeing gotcha, all gotcha. this, like spare no expense on stuff. That's like never going to be seen. I, I don't know how true that this is. Cause hammer. literally I, I fucking love the hammer. The yeah, the dwarven sh- hammers got in his shop. Oh, you're talking about that hammer. I was talking about the dwarven hammers. Uh, 
the stonemasonry hammers. The yeah. Hammers are awesome too, but I love that hammer and it looks like it costs. Yeah. Like it's half the budget of this episode, but then the, everything looks like it's half the budget of this episode. So, yeah. And I, like, as I said, I think that's in a good way. It's just like sometimes like this, yeah. this lavish spending. Um, cause it makes the world feel cause like, yeah, you don't, the real world is not concerned with where you're pointing your camera and what to spin. Like it's going to look how it looks. And this world looks like, elves at the height of their power uh, mm-hmm. dwarves at the height of their power and it's stunning just stunning and as a like I said I don't know what you're getting out of as a borderline Tolkien fan but as a Tolkien fan has always wondered like yeah what were the minds of Moria like at their height you know what oh, was Gimli talking about uh, yeah for someone who's seen the Lord of the Rings movies and remembers you know the minds of Moria from that and how there's just nothing left of this place and that this city this kazakh doom is the same place uh that that to me was like really impressive just seeing the change of of that location um and yeah it does it does feel there's a certain nostalgia in it and look i'm not a fan of the books i've never read them uh i'm not a fan of tolkien in general but like those movies i really enjoyed so yeah seeing those locations is cool uh i just wonder if like beyond you know even beyond the first impressions here and maybe that getting and getting over some of that stuff. I wonder if Amazon themselves is going to keep up the quality of everything, or if this is like a shock and awe campaign to just impress the shit out of everybody in the first two episodes, maybe even the first season. I don't know. Um, There's talk of them, you know, I guess they've stopped filming in New Zealand now and they're bringing season two back that's scary uh, although that, maybe that not as much a bit. now that i've seen how well they can composite things because you know sure but i do wonder if like that's a sign that maybe you know they're gonna back off a little bit on the budget and, and it really comes down to i think the return that they see right do they see a huge number of amazon prime subscriptions in order to get lord of the rings uh rings of power or is this something where they're not going to see the return that they hope to to see. And so future seasons are still going to be made, but be made maybe on a tighter budget with not as, as spare, no expense attitude. I don't know. It, it remains to be seen, but man coming out of the gates with this is, is pretty impressive. I heard something and I don't know if this was, I, I guess I need to look into it more, but I heard that the, them going away from New Zealand was less about a budget restriction and more of than like James Cameron has rented out all of New Zealand for, <laughs> I'm not even joking for all of the You're Avatar shit. You're telling me that the, the richest man on earth can't outbid James Cameron for studio <sighs> space in New Zealand. He yeah, could buy I mean, the damn if, country if he wanted to. But if he, who got there first, the contract and how litigious is. Yeah, I no, I it's it's kind it, of if so that's true. The country canceled contracts. That's if that's true. <laughs> I kind of think it's somewhat cool that the richest man in the world has limits to his power and sure. uh, only to you be have no power. Yeah, the, the prime minister of New man. Zealand, the prime minister of New Zealand, standing at the border like Saruman, like you have no power to hear, man. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think, um, hey, fuck it. He'll, he'll film it on Mars. He'll, he'll take his blue origin stuff and, and just start a studio on Mars. And, and, and I also think back to your budget point, like it's always been my impression that the reason that like two, you hear like $500 million, but 
and that the first season costs like two hundred fifty million dollars. It's supposed to be five seasons of this. It's always been my thought that like the first expen- the first season is always going to be the most expensive because that's where you're doing all of the modeling. That's where you're doing all the mm-hmm. pre production. That's where like the vast majority of things that need to be built and costumes and all that stuff is going to happen this season. And then I imagine the rate of n- truly new visuals will slow down. Mm-hmm. But like I I would say that if I'm Jeff Bezos, I'm wanting victories at the Emmys or wanting victories at the Nielsen ratings. And he might get both. He might get both. Like I don't see going to get some tech Emmy. Oh my God. For sure. Oh my God. And I don't know, like, you know, some of the more prestigious things are harder to get, obviously directing and and writing and, and drama and actor, all that kind of stuff. It's intensely political, but he's definitely in is like so far two episodes in he's in the mix with the House of Dragon project, which is the one where, you know, like, well, there's a huge pedigree, like all those people that have been making House of Dragons have been making Game of Thrones for like 10 years now. This is, mm-hmm. you know, a largely new and untested. St- but I, I don't know. I I suspect unless this thing falls flat on its face and I just can't imagine like I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't know what their subscriber base is compared to. HBO and all that kind of HBO Max and all that stuff, but like, and it's so blurry, many people have right? Amazon Prime. And that's the thing, and it's wrapped up in their free shipping. It's wrapped up in all their music services, and 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 if you're fifty or younger, stuff. like Lord of the Rings was a huge part of your growing up in your childhood. Like we've never not been in a kind of like a Middle Earth obsessed period from the time I was like twenty years old on. Mm-hmm. So he has this huge international fan base. Uh, this is the type of big lavish FX show that's going to play well in India, going to play well in China, it's going to play well uh, yeah. everywhere. You know, across in, in Europe, of course. Um, so, like, I I don't know, man. They might have they might have a huge hit on their hands. Oh, I mean, based on the quality of this, both you know, from a storytelling perspective and visually, I think they do already. Like, if they can keep up this, uh, e- even like half this quality, I think they're going to have a huge hit. Yeah, I because I really dug the second episode. No, no pun intended. Going down to the the mines here, I. I thought it was super cool. I, I really liked the relationship. I thought it was fun. You know, it's it, it it's fun in that. Like, I, I don't know. No, dwarves. Look, the dwarves as have, have like I have always even in Tolkien's work, they're kind of the 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 what do you call it? The dramatic, the, the foil, the comedic foil, the uh, what, what do you call that when you bleed off tension with the humor? The comic relief. Yes. OK. Yes. Gimli's always has been kind of funny, right? Um, but I worried like, well, could you like, okay, if that, if they continue that, the whole not me beard and all that kind of dwarf tossing aspect of it, will you take them seriously as characters? And mm-hmm. I got to say, I felt bad for Durin, you know, yeah. when he's outlying how this elf has kind of casually hurt his feelings and taking him for granted. And I felt uh-huh. the real love and joy in his household. Yep. And he's this royal guy, but he's also super approachable. Like, honestly, like it's so many of the questions that I had going into this have been answered in the first two episodes and confidently. I mean, I mean that's yeah. a word we've been throwing around at the house of the dragon too. I can't mm. believe how confident and sure-footed this, this feels. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Um, the other thing I was kind of delighted to see, you know, we talked in the first episode about Barry McCreary doing the, the music for this show. Um, first up, I thought it was interesting that Howard Shore is doing the main title theme. It's not, actually bear doing all the music i wonder why they decided to go with that um is is, is, is some of the stuff based on shore's musical cues i think maybe 
it could be that like yeah like even if you write an original score for star wars if you have any Mm. you probably have to give johnny his due right oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) i'm sure um and then it was written by this episode was written by jennifer hutchinson who is breaking bad better call saul alum she's written i think 13 episodes in that universe um so i yeah, I have a lot of confidence in the writing there. J.A. Bayona is the director of this. I'm not familiar with any of their work, but they, but they're also like a lot of Spanish deeply involved film, I in the think. Yeah. production of this. So, yeah, uh, beyond just directing. So, uh, yeah, let's let's maybe get into the full recap here. What do you say? Yeah, should we start with the credit sequence? Yeah, let's let's talk about that. I thought this was very foundation in that it's cool and it's neat, but it doesn't like particularly grab me. It felt like mm-hmm. I'm watching uh, Tolkien it, original illustrations from the Lord of the Rings books brought to life by gold dust mm-hmm. with a, you know, fairly generic score. Um yeah, it's, it's shifting into the shapes of the different trees and the different lore things. But like I, I did, it didn't. Yeah. I, I guess I was hoping for a credit sequence that really knocked me on my ass because Game of Thrones kind of didn't. And both of these shows came out of the gate with like, huh, type of credit sequences for me. Yeah, I mean, everything else visually is knocking me on my ass, so I'm cool with it. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's maybe a better less confusing intro than house of the dragon. If we're going to, it's certainly that it's not trying, it's not inviting you to to do any research or answer any mysteries. It's just look at this pretty geometric gold dust patterns. Oh, it's a tree. Oh, it's a helmet. Oh, it's yeah. I think it sets a tone for the show a little bit better than the house of the dragon one as well. Yeah. Um, So it's not bad overall, but yeah, I'm not super impressed by it. Uh, let's go over to the Sundering Sea. Sundering Seas? Are there more than one Sundering Sea? Uh, well, I mean, if you had a sea and you sundered it, that would be two of them at least. All right. Uh, Galadriel's alone in the Sundering Sea. Everybody else has gone to Valinor. Uh, she begins swimming back to where she came from. It's kind of it. You gotta, really- gotta love an elf, man. Drop off in the middle of the ocean, just <laughs> like, hey, you know, I'm just going to swim. Just going to swim. I guess so. Yeah, great cardio. She should think about doing an <laughs> Iron Man. Yeah, fuck your swimming across the English Channel. Try swimming across the Atlantic Ocean, baby. Get mm-hmm. back with me when you're doing that. Here's the thing, though. A slightly unforced error here. She's swimming face down. I feel like she should have been doing a backstroke to symbolize not looking down. Looking oh, you're up. right. You're right. She's being the rock, not the ship. Right? Come on. Lindor, Lindor would be disappointed. Yeah, but she's trying to get her. She's throwing herself full darkness immersion. That's what she's going for. Okay. Uh, Then we go back over to the Harfoots where Nori investigates the man in the flaming crater and decides that it's her destiny to help him. And we kind of head back to camp here for a second where Sadak claims that the starfall does not bode well. And then we go back to Nori and her friend who have stolen some lanterns and some blankets uh, and a cart and they wheel the sleeping man up to a scheduled place to stash him for the night or sorry not scheduled secluded place to stash him for the night and poppy worries that he might be dangerous yeah 
Um, pretty much what you said. There's the sky. Like, right, like you mentioned from in the previous episode that there's a connection between evil and warmth and the fact that Nori says there's no heat from this very smoking hot crater. Burning this is hot all but telling me that this guy is Sauron. I mean, it's. <sighs> Is there is conflicting signifiers, but yes, I'm going. I, I think I'm getting a lot more Sauron vibes. John on the Lorehounds is sticking with his blue wizard Ishtari kind of theory. Um, okay. I, I think there's some Gandalf flourishes or signs here. We'll, we'll talk about all that. But mm. I mean, this guy wakes up, grabs this girl, screams in her face, and sucks all the fire and light into himself. And then when he blacks out, it all comes back. Like, yeah, what a cool that's, effect. What it was a really cool effect. Yeah, they the weight that they give that when he collapses back down because they they don't just have the fires come back on. They have like debris yeah. shoot up uh, like the, there was some uh, physical pressure fucking with gravity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> I always think that they like this um, Lord of the Rings has always done like understated moments of power like, you know, Gandalf. Bilbo Baggins, you know, swelling up and filling Bilbo's room magically. Um you shall not pass like it's stuff that feels powerful, even though it's not like something you'd see out Galadriel of Marvel or also. Yeah. Gla- like just just like casual power. And mm-hmm. I think that's what this was here in this. These Harfoots, knowing that they are fucking with things way beyond their pay grade. But Nori has got this calling to like, I can't I I this person fell in our backyard. He's naked, alone and afraid. It's my job. It's it's I've been I've been quested to take care of this person. And I just feel because like it, it does feel like this guy's going to be evil. And I wonder, mm-hmm. is that going to be a betrayal of the Harfoots that, you know, or is it going to be are they going to play with like what Kella Brimbor was talking about, like how, you know, there was this point where someone made the Simmerals, these beautiful jewels that reflected the light of the trees that Morgoth. I think it was that in last episode of this episode. I think it's this episode. they're so beautiful he just stared at them and wept and like there was this moment where like you created something so beautiful that it might have redeemed the heart of the most wicked thing in Middle Earth and then of course it didn't work but like Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're playing with that is like is there any tension that like okay maybe this guy is Sauron but if he's loved by these Harfoots well enough but clearly it's not gonna work but like is are they gonna try to make it like yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there going to be like, is there going to be some kind of tragedy that like, man, if uh, if if um, he was just left alone uh, by these Harfoots and he's not hounded by what it's eventually going to be Arendelle and uh, and the Galadriel, would he of, you know, kind of like what uh, uh, was a Gilgalad, the, the high king of the elves, what he was worried about? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like, could you redeem something this evil if with enough love and benevolence? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's. It's a good question. I, I also have questions just about, you know, Nori and her her destiny as she kind of describes it here. Is it is it just destiny or is she just like naturally curious, searching for adventure, sort of like looking for signs so she finds signs? Yeah. Which is no surprise, right? And Poppy points out this is a uh, a pattern. Like she lists off all these like, yeah, this is like the baby eagle to broken yeah. wing all over again. Like she kind of naturally has a big heart and feels sorry for things that are afflicted and need help. And this this uh, meteor man is the latest uh, orphan to puppy that she's adopted. Hmm. I like the insight from Poppy who's like, look, 
if we do this, if we get our fingerprints on this, anything bad that happens for the next three seasons, we're going to get the blame for it. Yeah, try the next two ages. You're not, yeah, try the next oh, two fucking ages of man is, is uh-huh. what you're going to be looking down. But I also thought, like, even this is extremely serious, the Harfits of it all, like the fact that, like, I was mm-hmm. wondering, you know, like when the wagon starts rolling downhill, I'm like, is this kind of slap stuff, <laughs> stick stuff going to work? But I thought it did. Like, it's just, yeah. you know, it's small stakes. Nothing really has up. Just like they're kind of idiots. And in, in kind of like a week, there's a little bit of like weekend at Bernie's feel to this that I really enjoyed these two girl uh-huh. hobbits trying to figure out how to get this giant guy up this hill in this wheelbarrow it, it, so let's let's make the comparisons again because everybody's doing it and we're going to as well uh, I felt like they're pulling off this humor and almost horror uh, better than the fart heard around the internet over on House of the Dragon I feel like I didn't mind that. I know some people did, but I, this is a better balance to me. Yes, having yeah, this if we're guy judging roll down the hill. S- smiles per episode. Uh, yeah, rings of power leaving House of, House of the Dragon in the dust because yeah. there is a grim chuckle or two to be had in the first two hours of House of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. I I chuckled quite a bit and I was smiling a lot during the Harfoot stuff. I really like that Sadok. Is it Sadok? Uh-huh. Is there like uh, you know old tome guy? Uh, I I love that guy, man. He's my I think my favorite character. Okay, uh, in the series so far, he's good. I'm really liking Durin. Let's see how he shapes. Durin's up. cool. Oh oh yeah, we'll talk about it when we get there. But okay, I don't know. They, they both shows have their strengths, certainly. Um, yeah yeah yeah, for sure. Let's head over to the burned village, which I think was called Ha Har. Hart Horton, I, I can't remember. Yeah, um, where Aaron Deer, Aaron Aron Deer, I don't know how to say his name anymore, and Bronwyn search for clues as to what happened. Uh, there are no bodies or wounded in this place, but there is a big hole in the ground, and Aaron Deer tells her uh, to go warn her people, and then goes into the hole. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's, a, there's tunnels. There's tunnels dug underground. What's up with that? We'll find more about it. What's up with Aaron Deer not using his words? Just say, I love you, man. You've said it in every way but words. How about you say it in words? Just just <sighs> put a name to the thing and be good with it. That's such a man thing to do. That's totally not it. That's not how the elves roll, man. You're supposed to do it right before you go to your potential doom, though, right? Like he's crawling oh, down this hole. He may never see her again. It's time. Uh, elves have no words for unrequited love, you know. Well, they didn't have one for the evil or or sunset or whatever from the first episode, but they came up it's with true. those. Yeah. Uh. All right. We go over to. Ah, oh, shit. The realm of the Elven Smiths. I don't know how to pronounce the this e, word. It's the E region is what I want to call e it. Region. For right. the elves. It's the elf region, uh, which got abbreviated E region. I think it's Aragon. Aragon? Aragia, is or is it Aragion? 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 I, I remember I know, like when I saw it, I'm like, how are they going? And then when I heard him pronounce like, wow, I didn't expect it to go down that way. But like, I, I'm going to call it the E region. Oh, wow. All right, it's the I E region the of Middle Earth where they store all their elves. Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, Calibrimbor is there, and he explains to Elrond that he wants to build the most powerful forge ever built, and he wants to do it by spring. Uh, can you explain to me how long of a time that is? Because it seems short here, but I don't know how seasons work. Well, it's it's, it's it's so the seasons are just this is Earth. Like uh, okay. Middle Earth is on Earth. It's so an like ancient form months. of Earth. Yeah, it's yeah, it's or however I don't. Is this winter? Months, it seems like it's months? it seems like it's maybe fall. So okay. maybe you got six months. Sure. Um, but it's it's an incredibly short time. It's an incredibly and short they, time. They make it clear there's no way he can accomplish it with elven workers alone. But Elrond yeah. has an idea on how to fix that problem. Yeah, and he's like, man, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm really tired of the simple jewel work. I really want to do something that can make the the enemy of all mankind cry by uh, the beauty. I want to rot something with power. I don't know, and, maybe and, some and rings the, or something. And what's his name? The elf king has no problem with this. He's got Gil-Galad. a problem with Galadriel questing across the lands, but not with a dude wanting to build the most powerful forge ever built and craft things with unspeakable powers no well i don't yeah i mean that's it's really coloring it with maybe some knowledge of where this is all going but like i think no, that, I have the, none of that no really. i think if, if the if the most talented elvish elfish craftsman said i want to make something so beautiful it'll change the world and the elf king's like hell yeah brother but it's also instructive that the elf lord's not really the elf king's not giving him what he needs i thought that was interesting True. True. he's like um he likes is this the brush off because yeah. Elrond was coded to me as kind of like this annoying up ju- upstart uh-huh. politically ambitious elf and the elf king might want to just be like sidelining him this so is what he's I'm talking essentially about with the Galadriel stuff sending her to Valinor felt like sidelining her so they can just be past that stuff but why is he doing that to Elrond um, or, I don't know speeches aren't as good as he thinks they are which I always thought that was a soft C. Like I was genuinely shocked to hear them K that. Um, I think I read somewhere that that's how Tolkien rolled, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah, hearing that, like it's, I'm like, uh, John with Galadriel. I'm like, Oh, I got to stop. I can't say Celebrimbor because that's how I always pronounce it in my head. I only heard John from the Lorehounds talk about it in his in one of his did he get it right with the hard hard he said celebrimbor so okay but i had never seen it spelled and so i spelled it with a k and then i looked it up and Uh, it was a c so i was equally confused uh but yeah so like i said i love this hammer i love this whole workshop it's it's kind of amazing with like it, it almost looks like a ruin because you have vines and stuff growing in through it but I take it it's active and that's just like the elves, elves the blending, blending uh, their, their architecture and their gardening, man. Yeah. I love it. It looks great. I thought it was interesting. They made this connection last episode too, that elves don't really have healers They're or they do. They're called artificers because they don't, elves don't need people to mend their flesh. Mm-hmm. They need people to mend their spirits. Um, and I, because like Elrond was always described as one of the most talented healers. I, I think this is something the Lorehounds brought up, and it's something you see in uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. Like they take him to Elrond so that uh, Frodo can get that shard of the the Morgul blade taken out of him, and can can heal as well as he can. Um, but I'm wondering, like, would Celebrimbor be considered an artificer? I guess that's one of the questions I want to have for the the, the Lorehounds guys. Um, well, it's the realm because, of the Elven Smiths. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do they have an artificer realm or anything like that? Yeah, because what is an artificer? If it's because like they're, it sounds like they're making art, like like it's art therapy essentially. 
Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's, that's my big question. Like, what is the deal? Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. see. All right. We're really on a whirlwind tour here. Um, we're off to another new location because Elrond takes Celebrimbor to Casa Doom. If we don't have enough elven help, we can recruit outsider species. He says, yes, it's the realm of the dwarves. Uh, where he tries and fails initially to get an audience with his friend, Prince Durin. And since he can't meet with him willingly, he decides to claim the right of some combination of vowels and consonants. I'm not even going to try to pronounce. And they the immediately right let him to Sigintarig. Sigintarig. Okay. Uh, I'm Sigintarig of all this shit. <laughs> I'm Sigintarig <laughs> of these names. Uh, yeah, which is... So he's taken through the dwarven city to a chamber where Prince Durin explains this this right, this Sigintarig, which is basically just a rock-breaking competition with permit, <laughs> permanent banishment at stake. The rocks mm-hmm. are brought in and the competition begins. I Yeah, I love this, man. It's very, um, you know, them coming and knocking like, you know, uh, it's Shades of Fellowship where Gimli's like building up the minds of Moria. It's like, oh, my cousin's going to invite us and he's going to be of cold, you know, mead and warm salted pork and, you know, all these warm welcomes. And then then uh, poor Elrond gets there, knocks on the door and it's like the Wizard of Oz, like a little guy in the masks, like piss off. You know, that's mm-hmm. it. Um, it's getting very Star Wars Jabba's Palace vibe from this. Mm, I and, I've never seen this before, but I these dwarven helmets are I think super dude, fucking cool. The beard masks, yeah, so cool. Someone said that the they like Jeff Bezos owes me for likeness because uh, they they molded it based on my face, which <laughs> flattered flattered y'all think I got a dwarven quality beard, but uh, a dwarven forged beard. But I thought it was cool. It's like this mix of kind of like um, I like Persian armor. It's halfway between like uh-huh. Persian and Viking. Sure. It's just I never even thought of them having like these death masks for helmets. But it looked it makes them all look like these mechanized troops and like all they lose their individuality. They're these little cogs in the the almost like robots or something. I thought it was it was super cool and then of course you get into now did you <laughs> did you get i wonder how many people get that this is the mines of moria this is where the fellowship meets the balrog and the ruins of this palace and the ruins of this you know kazakh doom means the halls of the dwarves uh did you get that that this is this is the place where we'll meet a balrog a couple thousand years from now with aragorn and a- no, gandalf i i didn't initially realize that that was the case but it, it makes sense. It's cool. Um, I, I yeah. like seeing it both active and inactive later on. I'm I'm I, I I'm sure someone will do some videos where they'll have side by side views. But I, I think that mm-hmm. I, I recognize a couple of specific angles where it's like in the Lord of the Rings, it's all like a cave and sterile. But you see all yeah. these structures and here. It's green and rushing rivers and sunlight that they're piping in with all these complicated dwarvish mechanisms. It's just fucking awesome, man. It's amazing, and I, I love the um, the coloring that they're doing, the custom stuff they do with the different races, like the dwarves. One of the coolest things that we'll hear later on is when uh, Elrond sits down for dinner, and they're talking about you know how um, you know the tree is growing and all that stuff, and how they sing to the rocks. Yeah, it, they're effectively using sonar, but it's it's 
just like is a dwarven version of sonar which i thought was super cool and then later in the episode you'll see the fireflies right as lanterns where the the harfoots have harnessed the power of their particular niche in nature uh to do things i that that's the kind of stuff that brings this world to life uh in a really interesting way to me and it sets the other races apart from man because man is about dominating its nature you know, right, whereas dwarves right. like you think about like, oh, well, that's like there's digging. But they really refactored as almost this religious practice of, mm-hmm. you know, singing and finding, you know, so you're not just like, you know, strip mining stuff. Right. It's a lot more. They're in balance the way that the Harfoots are at the land, the way that the elves are with their trees, the way the 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 dwarves yeah. are at the living rock. And it stands in contrast to man who's just kind of like making the environment do the things he wants. And it's no surprise also that the language here that they use to talk about those uh, technologies essentially is is in harmony with the thing, right? Mm, they they sing mm-hmm. to the rock and the rock tells them where they, they have a conversation with the rock, you know, yeah. um, as opposed to just like, hey, we invented this thing that can see through the rock. Right. <laughs> tell, right. Us, tell us where it is. I Yeah, that's something about Tolkien's work that uh, I really I do appreciate it. Mm hmm. Um, I assume that someone is working right now on a Minecraft version of this city. Yeah, I did say like, this is a little, this is very, you know, dwarves are like the experts at Minecraft, you know, because they, yeah, they got, they don't even have to go outside anymore. They got, they they got the crops down there. They got irrigation. Mm -hmm. They got, they got the, they got everything. That's me. That's how I'm trying to get my basement. I haven't gotten it quite there yet, (laughs) but right. One day. All right, the next day, Nori runs back out to the place where she left the sleeping man, and he's awake now. He's kind of scary, but he likes snails, and they struggle to communicate. The people back at camp are looking for Nori, but there's because uh, there's some work to be done, uh, but they got to do it without her, so her father gets to work. And then Crater Man begins drawing frantically in the dirt with a stick, which breaks at the same time that a rope back at camp snaps, causing her father to break his foot. And then Poppy comes running up to Nori to tell her about her father. Nori runs back to see him. And the the injury seems pretty bad. So this is something Lorehounds mentioned. And I I had that there's uh, Sindarin and Quenya are very well-developed languages that Tolkien has got. Like, you can speak it if you want. The hell And they mentioned these are the elven languages, the two elven languages. Ah, Uh, Okay. And on it, on a hunch, I decided to look up these terms and I was doing, I, I got to a Tolkien dictionary where you can plug in any, any word and it'll reverse translate it. And what this meteor man saying, he's saying mana ure, which according to the Tolkien dictionary literally means what is fire. But I think it might be a general in, in, interrogative. So you might be able to understand as he's asking, where is the fire hmm. or where can I find fire? something along those lines mm-hmm. um which i thought you know he's getting agitated that he's asking and you know of course uh you know nori doesn't know anything about it but um right, he's not violent considering he he sucks up that fire around him when he wakes yeah and and he's not particularly violent he's afraid mm-hmm. but when she promises not to hurt him and he promises not to hurt her it seems like he relaxes it's i'm not getting i mean i definitely they're coding him as evil and sauronish but he's not acting so, like, though? yeah, like he's, they're not, he's not acting like what I would think Sauron would act like if he was reconstituted and sent back to Middle yeah. Earth. 
I don't think he intends to kill those fireflies at the end to, to snuff it, out the light, right? But No, and it seems like he even feels bad that it's happening, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah, I, I hmm. it's interesting. I, I'm getting strong Sauron vibes, but at the same time, it's not, yeah, exactly how I'd expect him to act. I'm with you. I'm also torn between calling him Crater Man or Sky Guy. I, mm. I don't know which is better. I like Meteor Man, the MM. Meteor Man, all right alliteration uh the, so the whispering stuff that he's doing here um or that's that's coming through when he's harnessing power or directing power reminds me a lot of the sounds of the ring yeah. speaking to you as well so that's yeah. another it's not good you know, danger signal um, what symbol is he trying to draw and that is it i don't I, I don't think it's a sauron symbol it looks I'm, like him. I think it's the same thing that the the um, the fireflies make at the end too, like the oh, same kind okay. of like weird arrow, almost like an point. arrow that's pointing. Huh. I don't know. That's like I, a big was, mystery. Obviously, they're making it seem like it's directly connected to her father breaking her foot too, with the way this is edited. So, yeah, so I thought curse. he was like trying to warn her, maybe that her father oh. was going to be injured. But that would be a very unsaron thing to do. It, right. Right. Or maybe he's causing it is the other option here. I, mm. Yeah, either way, I am, I'm way up in the air on this guy. Yeah. All right, let's go to Galadriel still swimming. When she happens on a raft full of stranded people, she's pulled aboard and they talk a bit. They're, they're attacked by a sea worm, though, and it destroys all of the raft except for a small part that the most roguish of rafter, rafters was aboard. Halbrand. <laughs> Uh, he pulls her back aboard and asks where they're headed. I thought this was really cool. It reminded me of the inter- the the opening sequence of Master and Commander, where you've got these ships moving around and these fog banks, and you can re- can't really see, mm. and the excitement of like, oh my god, we found this ship, but oh, we we don't know if it's a good ship or a bad ship. And then I thought the worm design was cool, and I loved how mm-hmm. they did the thing where like the camera kept on bobbing bobbing up and down in the water. So, like, when you're on top, you can see Galadriel and she's breathing, but, like, where the hell is that monster? And every once in a while, the wave, it would dip underneath the wave. You see this enormous fin or something go yeah. underneath her or behind her. It's like, this is designed, like, have you ever heard of the uh, Thassalophobia? I have, yeah. It's like this deep dread of deep water. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like all these sequences are designed to, like, peg your meter if you are, uh, if you have that kind of uneasy feeling about the deep because Absolutely. holy I shit mean, those shots of like nothing but water on the horizon you can't see yeah. land anywhere that's that's terrifying to me i don't think i have like a deep-seated fear of deep water but oh the ones that bother me the most are when you're like several uh, like 100 feet under underneath and you're shooting up like from like a monster mm. pov and also when you're just on the water looking down and it just dissolves into blackness yeah. Like, yeah, yeah you should be 10,000 feet of water underneath. And what the hell is that? Especially in Middle Earth. Who knows? Ball, fucking Balrog. Right? Right. Kraken. Uh, speaking of things that you can barely see, I think I forgot to talk about this in the last episode. But when the ship was headed to Valinor, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at that. And I think I almost see something through the light. Am I crazy to say, I'm- like... You can kind of see something there. But what I don't was know it? Because I didn't. I thought it was all Sylvania universe. It's just all bright, bright daylight, you know, coming through. I was through looking down the bottom left light. corner of it, and I thought huh. I saw some kind of land, some kind of structure. It's it's impossible to make out, though. 
I mean, it's all there. Like if Valinor is a real, like is a continent that has buildings and halls and, and, and towers and all that stuff, you know, it's, it's not, oh, okay. it's, it's gotcha. not like a cloud city or something. I wasn't aware that like Valinor, do we see it in Lord of the Rings? Cause I know Frodo ends up going no, there. Um, Gandalf describes when he's talking, trying to give Pip, uh, uh, a shot in the arm and the eve of the last battle and like Pippin ask him like what it's like to die and Gandalf's the, the little poem that he recites there is essentially a description of huh. you know okay. going to the, 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 the blessed lands um, and they describe it as like you know this uh, this 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 silver skate scrape um, I don't know they, they, and, they, and I guess we see at the beginning the like the very opening of this series right mm. so yeah, they do, they do yeah. show a city there. Yeah, but now that was back when the trees were in there, and they're now True. like I think lamps, or there might even be something. I think we just have like a sun and a moon. I, that's one of the questions also for the lore hounds is like, when did we get the sun and the moon? Because obviously that's a thing now. We saw the the both in last episode. Um, but yeah, hmm. I don't know. Um, I, I I got some some question marks about that stuff my myself. Okay. Uh, let's head back over to Kazakh Doom. Uh, Elrond gives up the competition and he asks Durin to escort him to the exit for his banishment, which he does. And during the ride to the surface, Elrond tries to come to terms with his friend who hasn't uh, he hasn't seen in 20 years. And that's tough. And he apologizes for missing Durin's wedding and the birth of his children, essentially his whole life here and asks to apologize directly to his wife. So Durin relents there. And when he does, Durin's wife, Disa, Disa, and I say it. I think it's uh, Disa. Disa invites him to stay for dinner. And during dinner, with the help of Disa, Elrond and Durin patch things up enough that Durin will hear Elrond's proposal. Yeah, and Disa's not pissed off. She's just happy to see, because clearly... As pissed off as Durin is, as hurt, not mad, as hurt as Durin uh-huh. is about how Elrond has treated him, uh, he clearly talks about him all the time. Like his tr- right. beloved tree is the centerpiece of his living room. Like, it, and, like and I said, it's not anger; it's hurt. You know? Yeah. What's the point of of not healing this? Right? I mean, you you can hold this grudge and you can be angry at your friend, or you can say, "Yes, you've missed so much. Let me tell you about it. Let me." you know i i don't know i, I think there's unders because like also this what elrond's done is not cool like if you're going to hang around totally. and be best buds with your species you know you're going to live for five thousand years uh dwarves live for a long time two three hundred years but like a mm-hmm. you know a fraction of what you're going to get you're going to have to you know it's just kind of like when you were an introverted friends with an extrovert you're going to have to go to a party every once in a while mm-hmm. like you you know and I, I think that like Elrond genuinely you know again it's a blink of eye he's been busy but like you know he needs to keep in mind that this stuff is important to mortals um totally and i i feel for both sides here you know because like <laughs> if you're the extrovert you also need to understand that the introvert isn't going to go to all your parties <laughs> right well they're, the they're other like thing push and pull they, there the other thing we find out that makes all these scenes make a lot more sense in retrospect is apparently the dwarves are on the cusp of a discovery of their own. And yes. the fact that he is showing up right at this time where I think the what you're supposed to understand is they've discovered a vein of mithril, the this near magical, oh. impervious metal. That's my guess of what the what the MacGuffin is. The, the Pulp Fiction briefcase for that is uh, World of Warcraft. So. 
Oh well, so okay, so in the in uh, fellowship, that vest that Frodo wore that that oh, kept right. him from getting—that's a mithril vest. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And protect, protect yeah. him from the spider, right? From yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cy- well, Cyclob or whatever the spider's name. Shalab. Honestly, that's the thing. Like, I I think I talked about that on the podcast we did. It's like I don't understand how Shalab stung him through that mithril. Like, it doesn't seem like oh, it, it should protect him. Right? It didn't. It should have. But it right. didn't. Of course, Shalab's a near myth. She's like a Gandalf in power. Like she's uh, mm-hmm. you're supposed to understand that she's a literal demon in a in a in a, in a the form of a monster spider. So maybe there's wow. it can't stop supernatural shit. But anyway, yeah, I, I think what they're hinting the at. I get to with fantasy stuff, man. You got to be consistent. You got to know you gotta, what can, and you got to tell me what's going on, yeah, too. I can't just yeah. assume, well, demons can penetrate this armor and. That's high fantasy, baby. Uh, they like to keep it a little. But no, I, I, I think that like that's what the other it's not. He's just pissed or he's hurt, but he's also skeptical. And all, clearly his father's wary. And he's like, oh, your elf friend is is back now mm-hmm. when we just made this discovery and they're wanting to steal what we got. And you can see some of that in the dialogue. Like I and I thought some of it was funny. It's like uh, so I've asked for nothing except for your e- uh, ear. Oh, that's how it always starts with elves, and then it's the thumb in your eye. Elves, <laughs> elves. It's always a, like he just goes on this little mini elf, uh, dwarf elf rant, and it's I love it. I'm smiling I, so much. Yeah, I, this whole scene is great. I mean, Disa is is awesome. Actually, uh, my absolute favorite, the most adorable moment in these entire two episodes is the kids running around in those giant hats. <laughs> Those giant, giant dwarf heads. You, boss, get out of my heads. <laughs> I told you not to play with my heads. Yeah, it's yeah. so funny. They look so cute. The only thing that'd be funny is, is funnier is if he pronounced head the way that Mike Myers' father pronounces it yeah. and not kill an axe murder. Heed, get out of my heeds. Uh, yeah, it's 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 super funny. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and and I also, love- like, I just want to take a time out. To talk about how much ink was spilled over the fact that Disa is a little darker skin that we're expecting for elves and she doesn't have a beard and oh, this can't be like go fuck man. She's a great character and mm-hmm. I instantly got that her and Duran were in love. They're super sweet together. Her playing the conciliatory here. She's even got did you notice she got the skin scruff the, 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 uh, the chin scruff. All right. She's got like what I would call like almost lamb chops almost to like an Amish chin strap of a beard because like that's, that's just thing. the way she keeps it yeah and like I just I don't know I'm so I get so fed up with <laughs> any kind of lore purists that don't want anything ever to change like we, we've I never know, seen yeah. dwarves from thousands of years ago at the height of their power like they're all weird and kind of reclusive in the third age and they're hiding their women and they, you know I've never seen dwarf children and but this is the height of their power in their home of course like this is uh, new shit's coming to light, man, and it's glorious. I feel sorry for you fucks that are not want to watch the show because there's a black elf and a black dwarf, and maybe the dwarf women aren't as hairy as you think they should be, based on a joke that Gimli's telling in the Lord of the Rings. Goddamn. Anyway, yeah, I, I, it's complete bullshit. I mean, this this gatekeeping crap sucks too. Like, I read the Lord of the Rings when I was a teenager, and right. I read the Silmarillion, and I read all the other appendices. And so I'm going to go give it a one star when the show is clearly fucking awesome. Come on. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. got a th- it's got an 84% Rotten Tomatoes score from critics. It feels right low, now. to be honest. 
Yeah, I mean, I could I could understand some people, but just it's not, not everyone's not cup of tea. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But thirty seven percent from an audience score. Really, this is a thirty seven percent show. That's, they've done review. They got review bombed by a bunch of shitters. Is what's exactly. happened there? Exactly. Get get the fuck over yourselves. Come on. Do you like quit this gatekeeping stuff? Why do you want more? Why do you not want more of a good thing that you love? And if you don't love it, it doesn't change the original. So go fucking read your books again. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Like I said, there's ways you can ruin this show for sure. It's just, you know, is not it. Yeah. No, they didn't ruin it for me, certainly. But, uh, you know, I'm not a true Tolkien fan, so obviously I wouldn't sure. get it. Obviously. Um, so let me ask you this. There's clearly a theme of, you know, light and dark. I mean, that is pretty obvious. This tree, I think, is interesting because the light the tree of light I, I don't know what it's called um but at some point it goes out right in the the elven realms well so this is a different tree than the the sun and moon trees that oh, were in Balinor. i thought it was a sapling this is no so this is like tree. it's a well a seedling from that so tree. this man because i'm not i this is another one to ask the lore hounds but like Trees are a big thing in Middle Earth because of the great trees. The two great trees were destroyed by Morgoth, the enemy. I think the white tree and 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 Gondor is like somehow related to those old trees. And I think this tree and Linda, like these are all kind of like children of those one trees that everyone loved and admired and remembered. Okay. Um, I think I think that there's something there, and this is kind of like in the same way that like um, and and Lothlor and Galadriel's kingdom and fellowship, they got those big melon trees that they literally are like carving into their palaces and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The the in Linden they have those. This is the the Linden kind of heart tree, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so like I, I there's there's some kind of connection there, but it's not literally these are the the sun and moon tree that they had back in old Valinor. All right. Well, never mind. I thought this was like some keeping the light alive kind of thing, but yeah, apparently not. Uh, you know what we are going to keep doing though? We're going to keep swimming. We're going to keep rafting. Galadriel still on the sea. Halbrand mentions that he was chased from his home by orcs, which catches Galadriel's attention. She asks where he's from, and he says it's the Southlands. And she tells him that he's going to take her to the orcs, but he has other plans, and so does the storm. It's raging just ahead of them. Yeah, when you're supposed to hear the like orc theme when the Southlands are mentioned because that's where all the bad shit's happening uh-huh. right now. And yeah, that's where Aaron, Aaron Deere. Did you? And, I, I mentioned this on the instant talk with the Lorehounds. I love how they reduced all of sailing this little junk to Galadriel just tugging this rope. Uh huh. She's just tug- like, I don't know what this fucking rope does, but she's tugging it. It's got a little pulley on it. It's got a, it's attached to this little spar. <laughs> she tugs it. The spar just position. She drops it. She picks it up. She screams at uh, Hal Deer. What's his name? Halbrand. Halbrand. She picks it up. She tugs it more. She tugs it again. Like there's the, everything that you need to do on this vessel is just tugging this rope. And Galadriel is just doing it. I, I assume she's tugging on the rope for the rudder. And she is the sail. She's catching the wind with her body. I I don't know, man. As an amateur sailor, it didn't make much sense to me, but it was, (laughs) it's almost like intentional comedy. Yeah. Uh, Everything else is staged so well that is that clearly this, they didn't have anything on this green screen for her to interact with, but this one rope. And she's like, by God, I'm going to weave this into my performance. Yeah. Uh, I do wonder what his plan 
is you know it, it might not matter now that they're being picked up by some random ship but get her to tug his rope <laughs> plan is plan is working to perfection thus far apparently <laughs> all right let's head over to bronwyn running back to her town and telling the innkeeper for some reason <laughs> is he the town's He's the town's Most butcher, chief. bartender, innkeeper. He's got the medicine woman running stuff out the back. He's like, yeah, this guy's connected. I, I guess so. Uh, I guess the inn is the place to go for if you want to speak to their leader. Which honestly, like the public house, that's a hallowed tradition in the UK, which is essentially Middle Earth. So I buy it, you know, I suppose. This is the pub. This is your, your local pub. Anyway, she tells this guy what she saw in Horden, but uh, he won't hear it without proof. And meanwhile, her son hears the rats in the floorboards again and cracks him open to find something staring back at him. It's, Ooh, that was a good. Orders. That was cool. I like that. The Just like that little, uh, you know, it was coming, but that little jump scare of the goblin orc putting its face right in a crack and you see its dead mackerel eye. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And now that we see these orcs uh, in this town as well, you get the sense that they're searching for the sword fragment uh, mm-hmm. that was buried in the barn. At least that's what I got from it. Yeah. And I, I, again, I don't know a lot about Tolkien languages, but I, I kept on calling this Elvish Tower Ostirith. And I know that like Minas Tirith is like Tirith is, is Elvish, I think, for tower. Okay. Like Minas Tirith is the tower of guard that's built like right on the border of Sauron. As Os Tirith, I wonder if that means literally just southern tower. Oh, could be because uh, it's looking out of the Southlands. I'm I'm mm-hmm. wondering if John knows anything about that. He might. We'll have to tune in to find out. Yeah, and also you can see from the men's like the, the you know she's like you know hey this evil's coming our way and the elves aren't even here anymore. But the men are kind of like ah oh, fuck the elves you know Yankee go home kind of business. Uh, sure. It's the best of times is the worst of times. Yeah, makes sense. I'm I'm all for uh, evidentiary beliefs. So sure, good on this guy. It's an extraordinary claim you're putting up there, Bronwyn. Mm-hmm. All right, Aaron Deer makes his way through the tunnel when he sees a claw in the wall and some creatures approaching. And he tries to escape, but he escape it. He's grabbed by one of the creatures, and then Bronwyn arrives home to find her son hiding from an orc. She also tries to hide from it, but it finds them and she has to fight it. She ends up beheading it and then taking it over to the innkeeper as proof. I think uh, pretty quality horror scenes like that shot of uh, I think it's always creepy to be like commando crawling into an ever decreasing radius tunnel underground. Mm-hmm. And then you slide in the water. It's like I, I was getting uh, what's that cave movie about the, the, the women, the descent. I was getting some descent yeah. vibes from this. And then he's like, you know, gets up, he's got a sword out like, all right, this is a tough elf. He can take anything. And then like eight hands from behind just grab him and Shanghai him. I love uh, how the hands are already there in the shot. You just didn't. Know yeah, they were hands. I, that's the, I, I find that so creepy. They do. Um, yes. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan did that to perfection in signs where it's like it's there all along and then it just moves a fraction of an inch and it goes black and it's like ah like that that is the prime hair on the back of my neck stander upper it's it's the kind of vibe that like del Toro gets a lot from his stuff (laughs) like that yeah Jordan Peele did that to perfection in Nope a couple times too Uh which was a high quality horror movie from this summer for sure we did a podcast on it check it out bald move Nope um, so she 
throws a bottle of the flower petals that she gave to Arendir earlier, the crushed yeah. flower petals, at the orc, and it kind of seems to like it really pisses it off more than it probably should. Mm-hmm. Is is there something, some reason why the orcs don't like that stuff? I don't know, because like I was wondering if they were getting to because the way that sounded like is it sound like aspirin. It's like with this mm-hmm. kind of pain and like is like because like a lot of times in high fantasy things they heal will hurt evil creatures evil, yeah. undead creatures like you sure. know life spell will kill a zombie um i wonder if they're playing with that like this is something that relieves yeah. pain in humans and it causes pain in in like the evil orcs because they're like twisted corrupted version of elves and, and men i don't know kind of what i was thinking or it could be he's like oh god a magic vial and then he's like oh it's oh, actually fine now i'm gonna kick your <laughs> right. ass in yeah you know i wish i didn't take my helmet off it's, it's like pointless. someone throwing a, a grenade at your foot and it's a you'd probably scream and duck but then it's a and then it's a dud and it's like ah oh. yep but totally. uh, this guy dies poorly let it be said mm-hmm. he gets stabbed to these giant pairs of fucking wrought iron scissors uh bronwyn runs him through with this wicked saw like this barbed yeah. saw the kid uh pulls it, it out ropes through, him like, up his- yeah no it, it was bad sorry yeah the kid ropes him up and and strangles him like mm-hmm. he, he gets the full braveheart treatment man and then she comes and beheads him at the end and he says freedom uh-huh. and i started yep. feeling sorry for the guy uh all right let's do another raft scene i guess because why not uh Galadriel. Oh wait, we did we mention the fact that like I thought it was awesome Bronwyn like taking that head, that severed head and flopping up on the bar. It's like, look, you fuckers. Mm-hmm. This is proof. what's coming for us. We gotta run. And to their credit, they don't <laughs> they're not like, ah, we still don't believe you. We don't want right. to go. They end up running. So And I love fun. how she phrased it because she's she's not saying we gotta go. She's saying, I'm making for the tower at first light. Anyone who wants to live is welcome to come with me. Yeah. yeah. She's not come waiting with me on if you want to live. Exactly is what she says. Hits, hits him with a T eight hundred. Uh huh. All right, let's go to another raft scene. Galadriel and Halbrand almost drown in the storm, but they save each other. Sure. Yeah, I don't know, Galadriel. Like you're on a raft, and you're tying yourself. Like this is all gorgeous and beautiful, and it's really cool. But I I wondered about the mechanics of it. She's tied to two pieces of wood. And like a pulley, that pulley mm-hmm. must weigh 500 pounds. Is she knocked out? Is that what happens? Because it does always. She got, she got like, yeah, I mean, a bolt of lightning hit her. I even have for an elf. That's a lot. It, yeah, there was some slight weirdness here. Like she gets knocked out. She's being dragged to the bottom by this uh, pulley. Hogan yeah. jumps in there and, and pulls her to the surface but when they get to the surface she's just awake and alive and no problem like and welcomes him back on the raft yeah that was right. it was it, weird it didn't make a lot of sense in that moment he probably she probably should have stayed passed out until she got on the raft but my head cannon says this pulley was so sick and tired of her yanking her yanking it around <laughs> that she's like i'm on i'm on it i got you now bitch i'm drowning you you Freedom. yanked me for you, you yeah you yanked me for the last time yeah could be all right, let's go to Nori and Poppy uh, going out to see Crater Man, Sky Guy, Meteor Man, Meteor Man. if you will. <laughs> uh, they release the fireflies from their lantern and Meteor Man uses them to overlay a constellation on the night sky. Uh, Nori thinks that she can find that constellation. Unfortunately, his star shenanigans killed the fireflies. 
So this is where I got like I, I I'm getting some Gandalf vibes from just his general disheveled look and like the the robes he's wearing, mm-hmm. and then the the whispering into the insects here. That's a total Gandalf move. Yeah, but killing them. But he does. The so at the him? end, does does he look like he's sad or malicious at the end? Because I thought it was a for, pretty like he's sad that this happened. And and like, is this happening because the whole land is covered in a sickened darkness? Like, you know, the Gandalf would talk about in Fellowship. Is this sure. happening because he ensorcelled them and sucked the life out of them? Um, I yeah, don't all this stuff know. Is happening at the same time. So it's like, what is linked here? What isn't? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting stew that they're creating here. Uh, and, I and I get don't it. Like, I got to decipher it. The end of last episode is pretty conclusive with him coming down and, and the symbol of Sauron, all right? The big, big flaming eye. But I'm, you know, and also the I think there's. Thing, the, the idea that the fire yeah. is not warm around him is directly connecting him yeah. to that chamber in the first episode. So. Yeah. But. Uh, Again, from what I yeah, I I got I got questions. I got questions based on what I know of the lore and what I've heard the last few weeks in the lore hounds about how if this is Sauron, how do we get to the place in the story we need to get? Or maybe it's a maybe this yeah. is an evil guy, he's not Sauron Sauron. Sure. Could be. Uh but then yeah, who? So I guess we'll find out. Yeah. It's uh one of the key mysteries here. All right, let's go over to Prince Durin and King Durin, which is going to be fucking confusing. Uh, should I just call one Peter Mullen? Wait, is is they both Durin? I thought one was Durin and someone else was like ba- Balin or something. I looked it up. They're both Durin, uh, according huh. to Amazon X-Ray. And I, all right, maybe they're all wrong right. about that. But no, the, the, you, you should got be. the double Durins here uh, discussing Elrond's proposal and some kind of secret that they're keeping. To that effect, they open a box containing something that we don't get to see. But it glows with a silvery light. It's like I said, the Pulp Fiction case, except for gold, it's it's platinum or silver. Um, like I said, my guess is this is, you know, because you, you, you learn from Lord of the Rings that the elves eventually fucked themselves in Kazag Doom and in the, the mines of Moria because they found the mithril and they just kept on digging and digging and digging and they dug too deep. They got too, too uh, lost in the sauce. And found the flaming hot ball rag <laughs> Cheeto coming out of the cracks at him. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I I like this scene. I like the the wary old king, and it gives you the like, oh, it's not just the hurt feelings. It's also his dad kind of putting him up to this, and he's saying, yeah, I know Elrond. He couldn't keep a secret from me. He could. I could tell if he's hiding something. Well, maybe Elrond knows you just as well, and he can. And. That I, I like the all like all these expressions. Like there's um you know, lend a foot is what the Harfoot say. Lend me a foot instead of lend me a hand. Uh I like how the the the, the dwarves have these sayings like there can be no trust between the hammer and the rock. Mm-hmm. That's fucking cool. That maybe there's a little sandstone in your granite when it comes to Elrond. Yeah, you got a little sandstone <laughs> in your granite. Yeah, like there's a little weakness there. It's not the mm-hmm. pure, hard, un- yeah, there's some cool shit. Uh, going in here with the different cultures that that I re- I really really like. Absolutely. Um, did Did you recognize Peter Mullen playing the king here? I did not. I, I did I feel not. Like there's a lot of good opportunity for all the way down, dug too deep jokes mm. that we're gonna get in the future. So I'm hoping to see yeah. more of him. Yeah, when you find a baller, I'm all the way down now, Durin. <laughs> 
Sometimes yeah. you don't know if you're looking up at the water and if there's a starlight looking at you or it's just reflected from the darkness. This mm. is all a bunch of obscure Westworld jokes. I, I, yeah. yeah, for the for the five or ten of you that followed us from there, that's that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we could do train spotting jokes if you want. Yeah, true. I, I Was he Mother on train spotting? Yeah, Is that his name, his Mother? Name. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember, but yeah, he's definitely in that. Uh, anyway, let's go over to Bronwyn's son, Th- Theo, I think is his name. Yep, Theo. He's packing up the, the sword as it sucks up his blood and ignites. And <laughs> I, this I, kid, I, we're fleeing this evil. You know what? Better pack my Morgul sword that's right. draining me my life force to reforge its own blade. Holy shit, this kid is dumb. So here's the question for you. Does he leave it behind or does he bring it with him? Because as they're leaving, he looks over his shoulder at the barn. And I don't know if that's like saying, hey, he left it there. That's a good. I assumed he brought it with because that's going to like these. Yeah, they can't get away. Like they're like, why are the orcs following us? Why are the orcs following us? But there's something you don't think Meteor Man's Theo's dad, is it? Because they're oh, they're definitely God. introducing the mystery of him and why he left and the fact that his this fucking witch blade is in his barn and it's and and that it's coming to light life it's coming to life the exact yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's definitely connected and it's definitely a Sauron thing and I interesting I don't know how how connected or why connected they are and the fact that he doesn't say anything to anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, wow, this this blade just sucked the blood out of my wound and half reforged itself as a smoking hell blade. <laughs> right. It's like a kid hey. finding an M80. I guess. So, yeah, if I was a if I was a 12 year old and I found an M80, I wouldn't tell my parents because they'd take it from me. I want to I want to I want to get with my friends and light it up your blood. <laughs> this is going to make a hell of a boom. <laughs> I'm even more excited. I'm even more excited to light this fucker off. It just pulled my life force out and charged itself. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to level a block with this thing. No, yeah. No, I think I would like to think if I started hearing the black speech whispered into my ears, I was taken to a hell dimension and the thing started sucking my my life bloods out. As much as I wanted to see it lit off, I would tell my mom or dad, yeah, look, I got this thing. But, you know, know, teenage boys, man, let it be said. We're pretty fucking stupid. Pretty True. fucking stupid. Gonna Rivaled only, son, rival only by the stupidity of a teenage of a teenage girl. Like we're just sure. just just fucking just yeah, just just real dumb. Just nothing but hormones and insecurity raging through those 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 uh, that 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 gray matter. Hmm. All right, let's go to the final scene here. Gladriel and Halbrand are found by someone. We don't get to see his face. Nice looking boat, though. Doesn't look like a Corsair. Not a worm, not a Corsair. Probably looking up. I wouldn't know what a Corsair looks like, but I, I, I always feel like their 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 ships aren't that well maintained, and they got black flat. They got black sails. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, there were some gentleman pirates. Maybe this is a gentleman Corsair. But I'm getting I'm getting respectable, and uh, Gladriel passes out. Is it, so is it he better be. Is it possibly someone Elrond sent to to find her? Do, or, or I have thoughts and theories, but there's certainly Gaff, informed speculation, so I'm not gonna. G- G- Gadfly, what's what's the king's name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gil Gadfly, that's his Gil, name. Gil Gadfly, Gilbert Godfrey. 
Sure. Maybe you see saw, Alron. Saw Sometimes he got yeah. <laughs> I can't do. I can't do. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh huh. It's uh oh. you know you write it. You can write whatever speech you want, Elron. It's just uh, when Gilbert gets his hands on it, it's not going to sound dignified. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> All right, man. Gil Galad. Uh, Did I? We finally get the right name out. Gil Galad. Yeah. Eventually, I'll memorize that, but not today. I fucking love it. We got the lore hounds. We can like if we get anything wrong, we can just say take it up with them. This is the, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel very easy breezy. I'm just yeah. Good. I, I know enough to be dangerous. Uh, I got I got the real guys doing heavy lifting behind uh, behind the scenes. Of course, they're there. Uh, the Lorehounds podcast will be out on this here feed um, next week on Monday. They're going to do a deep dive. Uh, John and David talking about, uh, you know, what what because because I did. I talk about this that he said that he gives this a generous if he's being generous, a six out of 10 for lore accuracy. But to his credit, he's yeah. not one of those guys that's butthurt about it. So he, he still thinks it's right. exciting and fun. But uh, and they did their instant take they, they i don't know if they're going to continue to do those but they did one right mm-hmm. after the premiere so that's out on, our on discord the it's a, feed as it's well. a discord stage and they recorded it i jumped in there uh in the middle of their podcast to kind of like breathlessly discuss my wonder of it they invited um, me but i had four hours of lord of the yeah. rings to watch after 9 p.m before i went to bed so yeah so very i'm like i said i'm i'm giddy I was so worried about House of Dragons, and then once a House of Dragons is good, I was so worried about the I Rings know. of Power, and now I got four episodes, two of each, and like I said, they could always fumble the ball, shit the bed later, but right now they're both bringing it, and in very distinct, non-overlapping ways. You know they're they're trying yeah. to do two different things and they're 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 really high execution. I'm I'm really look I I didn't think I would, but I mean, man, I'm really I want in that another episode right now. Fortunately, I don't <laughs> have to wait another day or two for for game for House of the Dragon. But uh, if yeah. they had dropped and, three last night, I would have flipped. I would have flipped the table. The it would have been pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. I would have gotten this no podcast sleep last wouldn't night. have been out today. It would have been out on Monday. <laughs> It'd be the ravings of a madman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. That's it, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely be back next week. Uh, dug too deep at baldmove.com is how you want to send us feedback. We are going to get to that next week. Uh, we'll be discussing that. If you got any difficult lore questions, we can also forward those on to the lore hounds. They will be joining us each week to answer kind of those lore, those 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 deep lore questions. Uh, dug too deep at baldmove.com. So like I said, the lore hounds will be back on Monday with their lore takes. It's really crucial at this stage. If you want to continue getting the lore hounds content, uh, to go subscribe to the lore hounds and their second age podcast, because their take is going to be on there. We're trying to uh, move people over to their, the, their feed, get them some love. And again, we'll be cross, uh, uh, for a couple of weeks, I think J- David is going to be on. He had a vacation schedule before this. It's kind of throwing everything into chaos. We're going to be doing, I think, three episodes, maybe four. Uh, Jim and I are going to be joining John to do their lore podcast with them. So that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of a lot of cross pollination in the Bald Move universe. This this uh, you know Anthony's joining us for the Maester's Corner on Game of Thrones. He's got the Double Dragons uh, as well, just like the Lorehounds has got the Second Age. So check that out. Dug too deep at baldmove.com. Follow uh, for for feedback. Follow us at twitter.com slash baldmove is the best way to stay in touch with everything that we're doing. Um, and if you want to support us, get ad free feeds and tons of other stuff. Support.baldmove.com. We'll be back with a feedback episode in a GIF, and we'll be back for full episode coverage next Friday. 
Uh, Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week.